Thank you, children. He is the best thing, and, and to be honest, the second is not even close. And um, I thank the Lord for all he's done for us and allowing me to be here and preach this morning. I've been dying to preach, and I do enjoy, the, I guess, the rest part of uh, being away, but, but I don't enjoy being away. And while, while I was away, I um, got some time to just read and just, uh, while I was away, I began praying and asking the Lord um, kind of direction he wants me to go as far as preaching. I believe it's important for a pastor, um, you know, just closing your eyes and uh, flipping through the Bible and putting your finger and then just um, preaching on the verse. Now, I know some people, they do that. That's how you do daily. I want to encourage you. I want to, um, I guess you could say, uh, exhort you that you can do that if you want, uh, but a better way to study your Bible if, in your personal life is to read it through books and and. And a lot of preachers, though, that's all it is. I mean, um, that's why they they prepare to preach is they just flip through and just and and and, and there's nothing wrong about the, anything. But the Bible was written in order. You understand? And and I've been praying God to give me direction. And where I'm from, where I was raised, a lot of preachers. I mean, they pre they didn't believe in using notes. And I mean it. If you went to the pulpit with notes, they'd take them. They'd say, "No, you're, you're going to preach in the Holy Ghost." Well. Um, and what they meant was just get up there and just, and what happened is they preached on the same thing every time they preached. So don't tell me it was the Holy Ghost when they were just preaching the same thing. You understand? Surely the Holy Ghost would give them something else to say. And another thing, um, <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble. I hope none of my North Georgia friends are watching. Um, but, and, and, and then when it comes to uh, study, they believe you just, you know, just skim through. But I, 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 and they'd say this, that they'd preach against preaching through books of the Bible, doing series and things like that. If the Holy Ghost can lead a man to preach one message, he can lead him to preach a whole book of messages. And, and I enjoy doing it. So we're going to go through the book of Ephesians, Lord will, on Sunday morning. And I've wanted to do this for a long time and never got the, um, the, Green light from the Lord. And I'll say this. There are some things in this. There's, some, there's a lot of things in all the Bible we're not all going to always agree on. Um, one of the great um, errors of the Pharisees was this. And Jesus told him, he said, you strain at night and swallow camels. And he talks about, there's, he, and Jesus himself said there were some more weightier issues of the law. And there are some things that are, are secondary you understand? Where we can agree to disagree, where we can still have fellowship. Now, if somebody comes and says Jesus wasn't the Son of God, that's not one of those things. Amen. When it comes to salvation and sanctification and glorification, those things and these, these but when it comes to, there's other things about um, eschatology, the church, different things where we may not agree on everything, but all I can do is preach what, what I believe the Bible says. Amen. And so I'm not trying to undo or, or correct anything anybody's taught you. You need to go home and study the Scriptures yourself to see whether they be so. So And let God be true and every man a liar. Amen. So that's my preface for what we're going to read this morning. Ephesians chapter 1. Now, there are several reasons I've been hesitant about this. Number one is Ephesians chapter 1. This has been called the citadel of Calvinism. And I want you to know this, no Bible, no truth should cause us to be afraid. It, we, we shouldn't fear any truth in the Word of God. 
And that being said, I don't want to spend a lot of time trying to, this is a debate been going on for thousands of years. It's going to keep going on hundreds of years, I guess you could say. Um, but I don't believe that Calvinism is biblical truth. And I'm not, again, I'm, I'm getting sidetracked, but I just want to preface that. And so, but in this chapter, it's very easy. When you read, I do not believe, and I'm, this is all I'm going to say about Calvinism. I'm going to move on. There's never been a man or a woman who got saved and became a Calvinist. You say, what's a, a fatalist? They believe that they were chosen and that everybody else, they were chosen for heaven. Everybody else was chosen for hell. They believe in dual predestination, that some were predestined to heaven, others were predestined to hell. There was no choice in the matter, no decision involved. Irresistible grace, they believe that when you get saved, that God just overcomes you and saves you, and there's no, there's no faith. You understand? All this stuff they teach, and they teach the perseverance of the saints. They, I believe in preservation, but not perseverance. Perseverance gives credit to the man. Preservation gives the presence, the, 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 the praise to God. I could go on and on. But Ephesians chapter 1. How about we look in Ephesians chapter 1? Let's all stand. I'm going to read the Bible because I could spend a lot of time talking about it. But if you want to talk about these things, that's fine. We can talk as long as you want to talk. But I just want to redeem the time that we have here this morning and preach what thus saith the Lord. I said all that to say this. I've never met a man uh, or a woman who became a Calvinist who became that way by simply reading the Bible. There's a whole group of them around here and they're growing by the number. And that's why I'm going to deal with this. And I hope some of them are watching. It's, it's killing their spirit. I heard one of them preach the other day. He's preaching this church. He won't preach in this church again unless he repents of the heresy he's believing. And when I heard him preach uh, uh, before, he had fire and life. And now he's just as dead and dry. They never become that way by simply reading the Bible. It's always outside influences. And so, anyhow, let's look here in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you, and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. According as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us under the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accept, accepted in the Beloved. Father God, I come to you this morning asking for one thing, Lord, for Your touch. I pray, Lord, that you'd fill me with your, breast, your spirit and you'd empty myself. I pray, God, you'd give me that blessing that only you can give, Lord, as you anoint the preaching of the Word of God. And I pray that as I preach, Lord, that not only would you anoint me, but you'd anoint the ears of those that are here. And I pray they'd have open ears and willing hearts to receive the truth. And I pray, God, that above all things, that Jesus would be glorified and magnified I thank you for the Word of God. I thank you for these great truths that you've revealed to me through your Word. And I pray that, Lord, now I'd be a faithful messenger, Lord, to declare what thus saith the Lord. God, touch me as only you can, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Look at verse number 3. The Bible says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us, with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. You'll notice something, and, and I'm just going to give you a little introduction and get right to the message. 
And the book of Ephesians, uh, the key two words is in Christ. In verse number one, he speaks of the faithful in Christ Jesus. Verse number three, in heavenly places in Christ. And then in verse number four, chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. And then you could go on in verse six, accepted in the beloved. And you'll see this as we go. This book uh, is about the believer in Christ Jesus. And whenever you start taking scriptures that were written for believers and, and, and apply or, or making them to unbelievers, that's where you get trouble. Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus here. And, and in fact, I, I like you I like comparing like there's Old Testament books and how they complement New Testament. You know, every every truth that's revealed in the New Testament is concealed in the Old Testament. And a companion book to the book of Ephesians in the Old Testament is the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua tells us how the people of God, the Hebrew people, got victory. How they entered into Canaan, entered into that rest that God had provided for them. How they won, how they won the battle. How they overcome their enemies and they entered into that place of blessing, that place of rest. And that's what Ephesians is about for the believer. I want you to know this morning that most of us as Christians are not living on the level as children of God that we could live on. What I'm trying to say is that the book of Ephesians teaches us that in Christ Jesus we can live a life of victory, a life of joy. We can live the life that God saved us to live because of His grace that He showed upon us. Now if you're looking for a division the book of Ephesians, it divides in three ways. The first three chapters deal with our wealth uh, or our riches in Christ. And you can look uh, in verse 7. He says, according to the riches of His grace. And then down in verse number 18, that the eyes of you understand be light, that you may know what is the hope of His calling and what the riches what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. And then in chapter uh, 2, verse 7, He says that in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace. And then in uh, chapter number uh, 3, verse number 8, He says, unto, unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Amen. Verse number 16, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with Him by Spirit in the inner man. He talks about our wealth, our riches as children of God. He talks about the benefits or the blessings of being saved. I want to say this morning, if you're saved, you're rich. Amen. You're blessed and you're highly favored. Now, I'm not talking about flat screen TVs and uh, Camaro cars. Amen, Miss Addison. I told Brother Jared, he's the next one on the chopping block to have to buy a car for his daughter. And I want to see if he can't outdo Brother Aaron. But anyhow, I appreciate it. I like it. I just hope I get, the pastor gets to drive it. But I'm not talking about material wealth. The Bible teaches us in Ephesians 1 through 3 that the child of God is blessed by God and is rich towards God. Amen. In chapter 4, you can look there in chapter 4. I said chapter 1 through 3 deals with our wealth, our, our riches, our blessings. Chapter 4 down through chapter 6 and verse 10 deals with our walk. Look at this in verse, chapter 4 and verse 1. 
I therefore, anytime you find a therefore in your Bible, you need to see what it's there for. And anytime I, when I see a therefore in my Bible, I always draw an arrow pointing back. He's saying, therefore, because we're rich, because we're blessed, because we're wealthy in Christ, therefore, I said, I beseech you that you walk worthy, that you walk worthy, walk worthy, walk worthy. Our wealth has to do with our standing, who we are in Christ. Our walk has to do with our state and what we do with our lives for Christ. Look in chapter 4 and verse 17. He says this, This I say therefore and testify, Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk. In chapter number, uh, chapter number 5, verse number 2, he says, And walk in love. Chapter 5 and verse number 8. He says, For you're sometimes in darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. Chapter 5 and verse 15. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Chapters 1 through 3 have to do with doctrine. Chapters 4 through 5 deal with duty. Chapters 1 through 3 is who we are in Jesus Christ. Chapters 4 and 5 is what we are to do for Christ because of what we are in Christ. He says we ought to walk worthy. He says you've been blessed. You've been God's done this for you and God's done that for you. He's given His Son for you. He's given His grace to you. He saved you. He sealed you. He's given you all these wonderful things. He says now, He said, I want you to walk worthy of this calling that you have. Our walk, our responsibility. So there's three chapters about our wealth. There's two chapters about our walk. And then look in chapter 6 and verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God. Now, you don't have to be a theologian. Well, in fact, we're all theologians, but you don't have to be some Bible expert to understand. I want to ask you something. If you're putting on armor, what are you putting armor on for? Where are we going? We're going to what? War. Chapters 1 through 3 deal with our wealth. Chapters 4 through uh, chapters four through chapter 6 and verse 9 deal with our wealth. Chapter 6 verse 10, it deals with our warfare. He talks about our blessings, first of all, chapters 1 through 3. Chapters 4 through chapter 16, uh, he deals with our, our behavior. And then in chapter number 6 and verse 10 down to the end, he deals with our battles. Chapters 1 through 3, our wealth. Chapters 4 through 6, our, our walk. Chapters 6, 10 through end, our warfare. So there's three chapters on our wealth. There's two chapters uh, on our uh, walk. And then there's just about 15 verses on our warfare. Now listen to me. I, I, there's a reason for me saying this. If you look at Paul, the writings of Paul, there's a pattern. He always starts with doctrine. Romans, uh, you read the book of Romans, chapter 1 through chapter, two, chapter 11, I believe it is. He talks about doctrine. He talks about justification. He talks about uh, all those different uh, great truths in the book, reconciliation, all those truths in Romans chapter 1 down through, but then in chapter number 12, he says, he said that way, he said, I therefore uh, beseech you uh, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him. He deals with your duty. Cha Hebrews, you can read the book of Hebrews, chapter 1 through 10, deals with doctrine. He talks about the law and the sacrifices. Now, Jesus Christ is a better sacrifice. He, he's 
given us a better covenant, covenant based on better promises. And all these things he talked about. Then in chapter number uh, 11, he begins to talk about that hall of faith and those that live by faith. And he talks about their exploits in chapter 11. and verse 1, he says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And in chapter number 12, in verse 1, he says, Wherefore? He said, Seeing we are Remember that wherefore? What it's there for? It's looking back. He says, Because we've seen these examples, because uh, we've got a better sacrifice, because we've got a better covenant with better promises, because we've got a better high priest. Amen. Uh, after the order of Melchizedek. Amen. Uh, because we have, he says there, he says uh, that we're compassed. He said, he said, let us lay aside uh, every weight and the sin that, that's so easy to send us. Uh, and looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of faith. So what I'm saying is, it's the same in Ephesians. I'm getting somewhere. Just hang on for a little while. Who we are is more important than what we do. If I were to look in everybody's Bible here, the ones that don't have dust on them and coffee stuff, the ones that have been used, I'm not talking about the ones that got the, the sunshade curl from the, from the dash of the car. I'm talking about the ones I, I would say, and this is true, if you looked at all my old Bibles, you'd say the majority of the verses, if I were to look, that are marked and underlined and highlighted are verses that have to do with our duty, our behavior. Now follow me. There's nothing wrong with those verses. But the truth of the matter is we spend most of our Christian life trying to straighten out our actions. What am I doing? Uh, if I just do this and if I can just do that and I need to do more of this and I need to do less of that, and the truth of the matter is, if I'll be who I'm supposed to be, then I'll do what I'm supposed to do. And the reason Paul spent three chapters on our wealth and, and only two chapters on our walk and only 15 verses on our warfare is because if I, as a child of God, am assured of all that Christ has given me and all that Christ is, and if I have a settled peace about who I am in Jesus Christ, then my walk will be right. Amen? And not only that, the warfare, uh, well, the problem is we're wanting to fight and we're wanting to walk without understanding who we are in Jesus Jesus Christ. The key to victory isn't me doing more or trying harder, but it's me realizing and resting in who I am in Jesus Christ and what He has already done for me. Now, chapter number one, look back. This morning, if the Lord will help us, we're just going to get through the first six verses. The Bible says this in verse three Blessed. Be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Do you notice a word repeated there? Bless. Blessings. Blessed. And this morning I just want to preach on that word, blessed. I want you to know this morning if you're saved, you're blessed. That's right. You're blessed. And listen, I understand sometimes things may be uh, a little seem discombobulated in your life and they seem a little upside down and things happen and, and the devil says, boy, you're, boy, it really is paying to be saved. It's really paying to do right. Is it really, you really, man, it's really, you really, it's really making a difference. I want you to know this morning that our circumstance and our set, all that's going on around us, listen, things are not right in America. I understand that. You understand that. Things are not right in the world. But I want you to know everything's all right in my father's house. 
And even though things may not be right down here, they're always right up there. And Paul's not writing about us on earth. He's talking about the life we have in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I want you to know this morning we're blessed. We're blessed. And if you're here and you're lost this morning, you're blessed too. You say, how am I blessed? You're blessed because God allowed you to come this morning and hear the great truth that you may be lost this morning. You may be on your way to hell this morning, but you can come to the fountain that's filled with blood and drawn from Emmanuel's face and have all your sins washed away and receive the blessings of God. Amen. Amen. I've said it before, but the, the saved child of God on their worst day is in a better shape than the rich lost person on their best day. Amen. I mean, listen, this morning all over the world there's wealthy people that stayed up all night, worried all night. They're taking pills to get up and they're, they're taking pills to go down and they're taking pills to go through each and every day. They're worried about where their money's at and what's being done. They're all consumed with all these things. I mean, listen, they're just a... And, and, and we look at that lifestyle and we think it's something to be desired and something in the Don't you know it's not? I mean, listen, if you're saved by the grace of God and you can lay your head down at night and know that when you open your eyes whether on earth and heaven you're going to you're a saved child of God you're blessed in these first six verses he tells us how we're blessed I want you to see this in verse 1 Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God Paul was called to be an apostle I still believe that in order to be a preacher, a pastor, you got to be called. Not by mama. Not by sister or daughter or anybody else or wife. But by the will of God, Paul said, I'm an apostle. People often wonder how did Paul go through all he went through. I'll tell you how he went through. He went through because he knew he was in the will of God. Here it is. To the saints, which are at Ephesus. The saints... Richard Ephesus. If you'll study Bible culture and times, you'll find this. Ephesus was a corrupt place. If you study Ephesus, you'll find that in Ephesus, uh, they had a temple to the goddess Diana. She goes by different names and, and you can uh, different places. She's called different things. But the bottom line is the temp- Diana was a pagan and a perverted god. The way they worshipped her was through all types of lewd and perverse actions. In fact, young girls, when they were in their teens, they would make them temple priestesses. And they were there to serve Diana. And I could go on. I'm not going to because we're mixed kind. But you can just imagine how wicked it was. Joseph, as a Bible historian, said that in Ephesus, in the concrete, they engraved footprints leading all from the town to this temple to the goddess Diana. It was at that time. It was one of the seven wonders of the world. I mean, it was a beautiful, huge, large a building, a structure, and it was a modern marvel how they built it. But I want you to know, if you grew up in Ephesus, you grew up in a wicked place. You grew up in a worldly place. You grew up in a place where uh, there was perversion and, and illicit behavior. Uh, but Paul said, "I want you." He said, "Your saints at Ephesus. How are we blessed?" First thing I want to say this morning is we're blessed because of undeserved righteousness. He's altered us. You see what you're trying to say, Brother Mark? These people he was writing to, they weren't always saints at Ephesus. 
In fact, every one of them at one time was a sinner at Ephesus. I'd say some of these men had partook in some of those activities and maybe some of these women and all of them had grew up in this lifestyle, this culture, uh, this, this wicked uh, 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 spirit that inhabited that place that, that was perverted and, 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 and polluted. And Paul said, he said, you're now saints at Ephesus. Undeserved righteousness. By the way, you weren't always a saint. These weren't super Christians at Ephesus. Now mind you, John wrote to them, Jesus told them they'd left their first love. Revelations? Did they stop being saints? No. Sainthood is not what we do, it's who we are. What does saint mean? The word saint means a sanctified one. It means one that God has made righteous and set aside for himself. How does someone become a saint? When we repent of our sins, trust the gospel, and are baptized by the Spirit of God, we are made saints by the grace of God. One does not become a saint by doing saintly things. You don't, if you paint the well pump, it don't purify the water. I want you to know, we say, well, and I understand that we've all probably said this, and I've heard it said, well, she's just a saint, or he's just a saint. And when we say that, what we're saying is, well, they're kind, and I'm not saying you shouldn't be kind, or maybe they're very charitable and they give and they help. And listen, I'm not saying you shouldn't be charitable and give and help, or maybe they're just a good person and they're always willing to help. I'm not saying you shouldn't be a good person and be willing to help, but I want you to know this, you can be as kind as you want to be, you can give all you want to give, and you can help all you want to help, and still be unrighteous and on your way to hell. There's there's only one way to be righteous to be a saint of God and that's to fall on your knees and call out for mercy and grace. He said your saints down there. Amen. One man said it like this. There's two classes of people. The saints and the ain'ts. Now think about this. Many sinners never get saved because they refuse to accept their condition as lost. As a sinner, we've got bro. I know, bro. They say, you go and you say, "Well, you're a sinner. I'm, well, everybody's a sinner. Everybody, you know." And that's there's many lost people that never get saved because they refuse to accept their condition as a sinner. But there's also a lot of saved people who never enjoy the blessings of the Christian life because they are never willing to accept their condition as a saint. I said, undeserved. Righteousness. I'm not going to spend much time. You can read it in Romans 4, verse 4 through 9, where Paul writes about this imputed righteousness. That word impute means to put on the account, to charge, to put on one's role. And he says that David said, Blessed is he unto the Lord will not impute sin. In fact, you can read Romans chapter 4, verse 4 through 9. He not only deals with past sin, he deals with future sin. And by the way, if you ever are a saint, you'll always be a saint. Amen. Uh, let's just say, oh, that's prideful of you to say, oh no, it's the most humble thing I can say is that God took an old sinner like me and God saved me and took the righteousness of Jesus Christ and put it on my account. Amen. 
He said over there in Romans 4, I'm just going to read it. He says, faith is count. Now him that worketh is a reward, not reckon grace, but a debt. You see, if salvation, becoming a saint was something you worked for, then God would be, he, he'd be your debtor. He'd owe you. But God's a debtor to no man. He said this. He says, but to him that worketh not, but believe on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Not his preaching. Not his singing, not his tithing, not his church attendance, not his good works, not his kindness, not his all, none of that, but his faith, his belief, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also described the blessings of this man, saying, Unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. That's the past. Yeah. Amen. He saw Brother James, I was a doper, I was a drinker, I was a partier, I was a rebel rouser, I was, I was wild. I mean, I was this and I was that. I want you to know if you've been saved by the grace of God, you're none of those things in the eyes of God. You know what you are? You're a saint by the grace of God. Why is that? Because you believe the gospel. You trust, and God took all your evil and all your sin and pulled it off of your account. And he took the righteousness of Jesus Christ and he laid it on your account. And he said, because of his faith and because of her faith I declare them righteous that's our past sin but he also said blesses the man whom the Lord will not impute sin once he's imputed the righteousness of Jesus Christ he will not impute sin you say oh but Martin what about sin he's covered that amen and there's some that teach saint being saint is sinless perfection I want you to know there ain't nobody in here sinless perfected there's no such thing. Then that those people, they like to say, like, well, murder still not. But don't you know what the Bible says? James 4, I believe it's 17. He that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, it's sin. Romans uh, 14 says, That which is not of faith is sin. So I'd ask everybody, if you say, oh, I'm a sinless saint. I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I've, I've reached spiritual perfection. I've received, I'm, I'm, I've, 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 I've reached that point. Have you ever doubted one time since you got saved? You sin. Have you ever not done what you should have done? That's sin. I'd say if we got right down to it and put it real close, just straight down the middle of the Word of God, we'd, we'd have to say this. Most of us have a hard time going to 15 minutes without committing some form of sin. I'm not glorying sin. I'm not encouraging sin. I'm not, I'm not championing uh, turning the grace of God and the sin is what I'm championing is that 2,000 years ago yeah. Jesus did what I could not do. He laid His life down and He laid His life down as a substitute for me. And the Bible says we're saints because of undeserved righteousness. Amen. He said, oh, brother Martin, my job's not going good. My house is in disarray. My children are misbehaving. My, everything seems like it's going wrong. Oh, the lawnmower won't crank. I mean, everything's wrong. I want you to forget about all that for a little while. If you're saved this morning, you've got the spotless righteousness of Jesus Christ on your account, and it's undeserved righteousness. But then, verse 3 and 4, undeserved righteousness, He altered us. We weren't always saints. Blessed be the God and Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed with all spiritual places and heavenly places in Christ. Of course, He had chosen us in Him. Again, those are important words. Before the foundation of the world, we should be holy without blame before love. 
undeserved righteousness, he alters. But I want you to see this. There's unnumbered riches. He adores us. He's blessed us. Did you know God could have saved me and not blessed me with one spiritual blessing? These are talking about after you're saved. But not only did He not just give me one, listen to this, He gave me them all. Now here, this, I'm just going to give you this. We're on verse 4, He's chosen before the foundation of the world. I want you to know this, time is something only we know of. Because there's this great debate where did He choose me or did I choose Him? Did He choose me after I chose Him or did I choose Him and then He chose me? Who chose who went? John Rice said on the front door of the gate in heaven it says whosoever let him, let him come. On the back side of the gate it says chosen in Him before the foundation of the world. That's the great debate. Who chose who went? I want you to know something. God lives in the ever present. And so, in the mind of God, He chose me at the very same moment I chose Him. And there's really no difference. All I know is there's a choice made. And thank God, He said that He's blessed us with all blessings. Every child of God's rich. Think about this. God has no poor children. Now listen. If my four kids were to go to school... And their clothes was wore. Their shoes had holes in them. Their faces were all sunk in from being malnourished. They had bruises all over their body. Guess what, Drew? The state ain't coming for you. They're coming for me. Because your condition and your lack of having what you need, it indicates to them that I failed to be a good father to you. I want you to know this morning... God has no children with wore out shoes and sunk in. I want you to know this. All of God's children are rich. Plentiful riches. He said he's blessed us with all. All spiritual blessings. God held nothing back from any of us. Romans 8.32 He that spared not His own Son but delivered it up for us all. How shall He not let Him all also freely give us all things? All plentiful riches. Oh, Brother Martin, you say, I, I just don't understand. I want you to know you and I have no way of being able to comprehend with our finite minds how inexhaustible the riches of God are, how inexhaustible His grace is, how deep His coffers are. I grew up as a little boy and, and we watched that show, DuckTales. Y'all remember that? And in the beginning, you know, DuckTales, woo, you know what I'm talking about? And they had, what was the rich duck's name? McDuck, yeah, that's a clever name on McDuck. And Brother David, he'd run out there in that big room where he had all his gold, and he would dive off the diving board, and he'd swim, he'd come out of there, he'd be spitting gold in his mouth. And I used to think, man, I hope one day I'm like old McDuck, I hope I've got so much money, I can swim in it and swallow it and run around in it. I want you to know, as a 16-year-old boy, and the coffers of heaven were open for me, and God emptied them out and blessed me with every blessing. And he has yes. plentiful riches, but they're purposeful riches in verse 4. Of course, he had chosen us in for the foundation of the world, we should be holy without blame before him in love. What's the purpose of these riches? Does God bless us with all spiritual blessings so we can walk around with fat pockets? You know, like at trade day, you know, them old boys walk around that wide, they're gonna buy a pocket now for two dollars, but they gotta get out that hundreds. You know what they're trying to do? 
church I passed for, we had one, I ain't going to say his name, he's dead in heaven now. He was, he, he wasn't, you know, he had some issues. I've always had several members like that, but he, he you know what I'm talking about? few nuggets short of a happy meal, you know what I mean? A few pieces of bread short of a loaf. And he, we'd take up the offering. Now down there, we'd pass the plates. And he, without fail, and when they got done passing the plates, they'd bring them down here and stack them and put them right here, you know, together. And that was really a bad idea to put that anyway. But he'd always wait, Brother Larry, till the plates were all, and then he'd get up and look around. And, and he'd, 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 he'd look, oh, He'd been going to church his whole life, but he forgot the offering. He'd walk, he'd walk down there and he'd get out his wallet and he'd open her up. And, and you know what I'm saying? God, listen, God didn't give us all these blessings so we could walk around and show people how deep our pockets are. There's two reasons, Drew. He's given us these riches. Number one, to confirm his love for us. If you look up that word bless, it means to show gratefulness. You say, what, what, what do you mean? God, now when you give a loved one a gift, you're trying to show them you appreciate them. Last year was Kim and I, our 15th anniversary. She, I mean, she got a new ring. She got a trip to, I mean, the Bahamas or somewhere, wherever we went. I mean, and I, you know why I did that? Because I want to show her love. And really, the greater, is, the more, you understand now. So here, I'm trying to get somewhere. Here I am. I'm here. If I were to take my family, my kids, and I say, I'm going to show them. I'm going to, I want to prove to you how much I love you. Brother Larry, I loaded them up in that car, and we went down to Signet Federal Credit Union. I walked in that lady, and I said, I want everything, anything. That wouldn't take her long to find it all. She hit the roll, and she said, now, here you go. That's all you got. And I put it in a bag. And then, Brother David, we come home, and I went there and got in the safe, and I got all the titles to my vehicles and lawnmowers and four-wheelers, and I put it in that bag. And then I got all my clothes that I had, and I put it in that bag. I got the keys to my four-wheeler. I got the key. I went and got my coon dogs and put them in that bag. And I walked up to Ginger and Drew and Macy and Kim and, and, and Georgia, and I said, here, I want you to know how much I love you. I'm giving you everything I have. This is all. I couldn't give them any more than giving them all. God blessed us with all spiritual blessings because Brother David, he gave us everything he could. That what I'm saying is when he saved you, Clayton, he reached in there and got one blessing and he got another blessing and another blessing and he didn't leave one blessing in the barrel. He said, I'm going to, come, I'm going to show this boy, I'm going to show this guy, I'm going to prove to them how much I love him. I don't know if that makes sense to you, but it made sense to me that God opened up the windows of heaven and said, I love you so much, I'm going to bless you with all blessings. They're plentiful, but they're purposeful. They're purposeful and not only to confirm His love, but th I don't miss this, please. What is the purpose of these? To conform our lives. He said in verse 4, and by the anyway, I'm not going to chase these rabbits about Calvinism, but I want you to notice something. He's chosen us in Him for What? That we should be holy and without blame. A lost person cannot be holy. This is for the saved. Still with sanctification, not salvation. He's blessed us so that we can be holy. He's blessed us so that we can be blameless. Now listen to me. That's a trick question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. I done got Brother Justin with this morning, so I know I'll get y'all. 
How many in here would say, I've got all the patience I need? Would you raise your hand? How many would say, I have all the faith I need? How many would say, I have all the love I need? How many would say, I have all the joy that I need? How many would say, I have all the peace I need? Nobody raise their hand. Well, here's, 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 here, guess what? Either God's lying or you are. Because He said, He's blessed us with all spiritual blessings. Now follow me. This is tricky now. We're, we're, this is muddy water, but I want to help you. Brother Justin, all the joy, all the love, all the peace, all the faith, all the wisdom, all that, that all that there is to have is mine. In heavenly places in Christ. We said, Brother Martin, so how come I doubt? How come, how come I become discouraged and disheartened? How come I become full of anxiety and fear and worry? How come I don't know what to do at times? How come I lack wisdom? How come I listen to me? The error, the error is not on God's part, it's on our part. Whenever I like wisdom, whenever I like faith, whenever I like uh, 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 joy and peace and all that and love, the, the, listen, the problem is I have failed to appropriate what God has provided for me in Christ Jesus. Amen. Come here, Drew. Hold up. Yeah, Drew, you be my illustration. Come up here. I want to illustrate this true. Now look in verse 3. Just sit there and be good. Keep your Bible close. Hold your Bible don't you look slick? <laughs> he got my, look, Mimi took, sent him on a shopping spree. And it was me and him, and we was done in 15 minutes. <laughs> Didn't take us long. But anyhow, Drew, I want to ask you a question. Now, I'm, now, John 8, I wrote it down, 32, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. It didn't say you sh the truth will set you free. It says knowing the truth sets you free. Now, do you believe we're blessed with all spiritual blessings? Okay. Drew, do you trust me? Yes. You kind of hesitated. <laughs> Come up here so I hear you. I want to make sure. Do you trust me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes. Do you believe me? Yes. Do you believe what I say? Yes. Okay. I'm going to ask you to do something. It's not going to cost you anything. Give me five dollars. <laughs> Hold up, y'all. Do you know me? Do you know me? Yes. Am I your father? Yes, sir. Do you love me? Yes. Do you trust me? Do you believe my word? Yes. Okay, give me five dollars. It ain't gonna cost you nothing. Give me five dollars. You forgot your belt. <laughs> give me five dollars. What's wrong with this boy, y'all? Drew, listen. I'm, listen, one more time. Do you know me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes. Do you trust me? Yes. Do you believe my word? Yes. Give me $5. I, have, I don't have it. You don't have it? I don't have it on me. You don't, don't have $5? No, right now. You don't have $5 right now. I thought he knew me. I thought he loved me. Let me see that Bible. See, what he didn't know is I give him $5. You 
You see, I gave him everything that I needed him to give me. But you know what the problem was? You're not in trouble. But I here, I'll let you keep that for, for your service. Ginger, don't you? <laughs> I promise you the scales are tilted way in your direction as far as money being spent. I want y'all to see this. This really hit home with me when I was thinking about it. Down there in Panama with my toes in the sand, I was thinking about this. He had it, but he didn't know it. So therefore, he couldn't use it. Now, you sit down, son. Everything I need to be who Jesus saved me to be, I have. The problem is, I just don't know it. You say, Brother Martin, why should I come to church? Why should I come to Sunday school? So you can know it. Say, so why should I read my Bible so you can know it? Now here, there's some that teach a second blessing. I want you to know I'm way past number two. We're, I mean, we're, but, but the first blessing is when you're saved, you're inhabited by the Spirit of God. Romans 8, if you have not the Spirit, you're not the Son of God. If you're saved, you've got the Spirit of God. You've got all the God you'll ever have. But you know what I think the second blessing is? Is when I realize that I have the blessings. And then you want to know what the third blessing is? When I realize that I've not realized all the blessings. And so we come to church and what we're trying to do is we're trying to figure out all that we have in Christ. Oh, so all I'm saying is me being who God saved me to be and doing what God calls me to do is not me trying harder, it's me trusting more. And me realizing that all that I need, all that I need to live for Him, and all that I need to please Him, all that I need to honor Him is in Jesus Christ and has already been made available for me. Unnumbered riches. Verse 5. Having predestined us, under the adoption of children. Again, predestination has to do with after salvation. He predestined that after you're saved, you'd be adopted as child. I could, I mean, I, anyway. He had predestined us, here it is, under the adoption of children. We're blessed with. Undeserved righteousness, He altered us. We're blessed with unnumbered riches. He adores us. You know how much God loves you? He gave you everything He's got. How much more could He give than what He's give? But we're blessed because there's an undestroyable relationship. He's adopted us. God predestined that when we were saved, we'd be His children. 1 John 3, 1, Behold, what manner of love the Father bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Galatians 4, 4, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth the Son, made of one, made of law, to redeem the law, that, that we might receive the adoptions of sons. The adopted child is more blessed than the natural born child because a choice was involved. You know, all this choice and choosing makes people nervous. But this is the way I see it. I see it as this. God chose me, but He didn't have to. 
You know, when the prodigal son came home, this is probably the best biblical illustration of this, this, these truths that people are so nervous. I'm not nervous at all. And by the way, right now, I feel really good. I mean, I really do. But Brother Aaron, you see that prodigal son? He was in the far country. He was wasting away, pining away. He had wasted all the substance on riotous living in hearts, at least if you ask his older brother. I don't know how the older brother knew all that about him. I think the older brother might have been sneaking out the window at night and going to the far country and coming back. He said, oh, he came to himself. He said, I think I'll go back home to the Father. Amen. He said, I'll just be a servant. I'll, the servants there have it better than I do down here. And old brother Matty Jackson said he jumped the rail, he kicked the pail, and he hit the trail. Amen. And he went home. And as he approached, the Bible says the Father ran out to meet him. You know that little speech he put together about serving and I'll be your servant? He never got the words of his mouth. That father laid hold on him and began to kiss on him. He said, rejoice. He said, go get that fat cow. We've been fattening up. And all called the family, called our friends. For my son that's lost has been found. He was dead, but now he's alive. I want you to know something. The prodigal's father didn't decide to forgive him when he, when he saw him. He decided a long time before. How do you know? Calves don't get fat in just a moment. I believe every time he went out there to that barn and got a scoop of feed and whooped over that little cow, he said, I forgive you, boy. Just come home. And he'd go out there the next day and he'd feed him again and say, son, you need to come home. You need to come home. And I believe he had already forgotten. All I'm saying is that, listen, this morning we are blessed because we've got an undestroyable relationship. We're his children. Amen. We've been adopted in the family of God. We're joined heirs with Jesus Christ. That's blessed right there. In Bible times, you can become a member of a family by three ways. By birth. We've been born again. By marriage. Amen? We're his bride. And by adoption. And the Bible says a threefold cord is not easily broken. The adopted child can never be disowned. Amen? The placement of God He's placed me in his family. Think about this. Of all the places he could have put us. He didn't just, he could have saved me and then just told me to go stand in the corner. He could have saved me, forgiven my sins, wrote my name, Lamb's Book of Life, and done all that and said, Well, I've done enough for you. I've done enough for you. I've done more than you deserve. You're, you're saved now. But he said, That ain't going to be enough. He said, That ain't going to be enough. He took out the divine pen and signed the bill of my adoption. Amen. He said, when I save him, I'm going to adopt him. When I save him, I'm going to make him my son. And thank God this morning, if you're saved, you're a child of the king. Uh, and listen, you'll never not be a child of the king. Amen. The place. The pleasure of God. He said, according to the pleasure, good pleasure of his will. This wasn't done against God's will, but according to Him. I believe every child has a natural desire to please the parents. I did. I believe my kids do. 
Ginger gets in trouble at softball because anytime she comes to the plate, guess who she's looking at? Got to make them last-minute adjustments, you know. Hands up, baby. I know people think we're crazy, but she knows exactly what I'm talking about. Don't Ginger. What's that mean? Feet spread, toes straight, right? What's that mean? Snap, right? She knows. What's that mean? Yeah, wait on it. We got all this. I've told her in this, and I don't know if she always believes me, but I'm never disappointed in her. I am disappointed for her. You know, when things don't go right, I'm disappointed for her because I know how hard she works. I know how much she puts into it. And I want her to enjoy the, the payment, the rewards for that. So, But Brother Justin, having kids has opened my eyes so much to what it means to be a child of God. God is pleased with me. What more could I want? Verse 6, we're going a little late this morning, but I've yet to find that 12 o'clock dismissal in the Bible. To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. I'm talking about being blessed. Being blessed. We said we've got the undeserved righteousness. He's altered us. That's, that's enough. That's enough. We're saints. We said there are innumerable riches. He adores us. He's blessed us with all spiritual blessings. There's an undestroyed relationship. He's adopted us. We're in the family. And we'll never be made to leave. But then we see there's an undisturbed rest. He's accepted us. The Bible says in verse 6, He's made us accepted. I want to say this. I'm about done. The pursuit of acceptance. There is an innate desire in every person to be accepted. I go to these ball games and, uh, with the kids and I watch and it's so heartbreaking to see these young kids trying to be accepted. The things they do. We were down there, me and Drew was on our shopping spree, all 20 minutes of it. We walked three miles in 20 minutes and bought $200 worth of clothes. You tell me I can't, we get it done. I mean, we got it done. And we were walking, there's this big gang of boys walking in front of us. And I'm telling you what, I, I mean, look, I, I mean, short shorts and all that, I'm against it on anybody. But especially teenage boys, they have, I mean, I said, Drew was breaking nervous on me, turning red in the face. But I said, oh my goodness. What? I mean, they're, they had on these shorts. I mean, up to here. John, look like John. Y'all remember John Stockton in the NBA? Walking around, hairy legs hanging out. Had their hat all flattened and sitting up on. I said, now we used to make fun of that. We used to laugh at that. We used to think, and, and you know what them boys are trying to do? Be accepted. Be accepted. Everybody in this room wants to be accepted. You say, oh, Brother Martin, I'm an adult. You do too. How come people go, oh, neck deep in debt? To be accepted. Oh, you mean they'll loan money for eight years on a car now? Oh, yeah, they'll loan, they'll loan it as long as you'll sign to it. And, and, and I mean, neck deep in debt. I mean, just up to here. And they, they live in constant worry. How am I going to pay the house payment? How am I going to pay the car payments? How am I going to pay the, the, for the boat? 
How am I going to pay for the camper? How am I going to pay for the condo I bought? How am I going to pay for this? How am I going to pay for that? You know why they got their kids? They got put. I'm for. I'm not against education, and uh, so I'm not trying to. But 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 I mean, send them off to somewhere like Harvard or Yale and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars when they can get a good fine education right here in the state of Kentucky for free. I mean, and they, why do they do that? To be accepted. Couples try to be accepted. Well, they get around other couples. It never ends. Go to Mills Manor. They're still trying to be accepted. They're still trying to fit in. I want you to know this morning, I, we was down there in Florida, me and Kim went on a date. We get to go on one date a year. That's when we're on vacation and mom and daddy are there to watch the kids. And, and we went on a date. I went to this fancy restaurant called The Grind Marlin. And I mean, it was, it was, I mean, it was good food, but man, did we pay for it. But I didn't say nothing about that Hershey's in the nursery. So I'm talking about right now. But we were sitting there and she went to use the restroom and I was sitting there and I was watching and up there at the bar sitting up there, there was this guy, you could tell he had to be in the, in the 80 up neighborhood. But his face looked like this. <laughs> looked like he'd just seen a ghost. He had on one of them, like, you know, short sleeve, Bahama, Tommy Bahama shirts, you know what I'm talking about? Unbuttoned out here, hair hanging out. <laughs> have a chain. Yeah, yeah. He had on a pair of them little Bermuda shorts, you know, walking around. Legs slicker. I mean, just, I mean, ain't half. Had on a pair of them boat shoes with no socks. He was walking around, I mean, like this. And just flexing, you know, had on a white. I mean, you could just tell he was a high, you know what I mean? But all he was wanting to do was get be accepted. And I sat there and I thought, here I am with these blue jeans I've had for eight years. I really don't care. Don't want another pair. This same shirt I wear every day. This, this wore out bulldog hat. And I'm sitting here, and I'll tell you what, I sat there and I thought, I feel sorry for him. I feel sorry for him. He's made all this money and he's still trying to fit in. God, listen, there's a desire. There is a desire. There's a pursuit. But if you have found Jesus, and if Jesus has found you, you can stop your worry and your fret because you've been accepted by him. There's nothing I can do to make him accept me more. And there's nothing I can do to make him accept me less. He loved me, for me, and as me. Nothing more, nothing less. The place of acceptance, verse 6, and I'm done. Again, I said I'm done. I've been away, had a week, day off, something's off, I got built, but he's made us accepted in the beloved. In the beloved, the place of acceptance. Now, I'm going to confess to you, I've preached this for years, and I've always preached it that that's talking about the church. But that ain't the church. Remember what the key phrases is in this text? In Christ, in Him, in Christ, in Him, in the beloved. You know who I believe the beloved is? I believe that's Jesus Christ. What did the Bible say? Mark chapter 1. Verse 11, when Jesus went out to be baptized with John the Baptist, the Bible says the heavens opened and the whole ghost descended like a dove. And there was a voice out of heaven said, This is my beloved Son, Amen. whom I'm well pleased. 
Matthew 17, that's on the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter, James, and John. And they were up there, and old Peter was talking about, let's build us a temple, let's build. Anyhow, all that went on. But what people miss is the heavens open. I mean, the baptism was at the beginning of his earthly ministry. The Mount of Transfiguration was at the end of his earthly ministry. And God said, I'm pleased with him in the beginning. And he said, I'm pleased with him in the end. Amen. And, but, and God said, this is my beloved son, and whom I well please hear ye him. Yeah. Jesus is the beloved. Our acceptance is found in Jesus Christ. Colossians 3 and verse 3, For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. God accepts us as He does His own Son to the praise of the glory of His grace. It's nothing we've done. It's nothing I've done. This morning, we're going to have an invitation in just a minute, but y'all have listened real good. And tonight, I promise you, I'll, I'll have a little mercy on you for listening so good. There's two questions I really won't finish with. Number one, remember what I said? All those blessings. He's got all the faith that I need. Why do I want to live in doubt? He's got all the love that I need. There's no more love to be had than the love that He's provided. So why do I want to live in hate? The peace, all the peace, it's there. But just like Drew, you know what most of us are doing this morning? We're carrying it around and we don't even know we got it. And we think what we need to do is listen to another podcast or maybe if we memorize some more. I'm not downplaying memorizing Scripture, but you can memorize the Scripture from front to back. But if you don't know it and you don't believe it, it won't do you any good. And oh, what a relief it is. What a, what a peace it brings when you realize it's not about me trying harder and doing more, but it's about me leaning on the everlasting arms of God and saying, Lord, You're my love. You're my peace. You're my joy. You're my wisdom. You're everything that I need. If you're here and you're lost this morning, I want you to know that you can have all this by simply trusting the gospel of Jesus Christ Repenting of your sins and being saved.